The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. What say you, Richard Ellett Murdoch, are you guilty or not guilty of the felonies wherein you stand and die? Not guilty. How shall you be tried? By God and my country. The exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered. At the end of the investigation, it was obvious. I'm not here to work with them, okay? And the whole point is to have this not fall in the wrong hands. This case is unique, it's unprecedented in South Carolina history. You know, one of the biggest dogs in that firm, one of the biggest producers they had. Um, you know, seemed to own a lot of things, do a lot of things, spend money. Didn't ever seem to have problems. That was Chris Wilson. Uh, he said he was Alec Murdoch's best friend, knew him for 30 plus years. Their families grew up together. And here he was on the witness stand for the state prosecution of Alec Murdoch in a double murder trial. I'm Ann Emerson, uh, one of the hosts of Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdoch's Murder, Money, and Mystery. We are here with our exclusive legal analyst, Charlie Condon, South Carolina's former attorney general, to give us fantastic insight on what's going on. We've got Drew Tripp here, executive producer of um, all things uh, ABC. And Maxwell Harrison is driving the controls tonight and uh, will be also fielding your questions. So on any of our live streams, if you have a question, we will certainly try and get to it in a timely fashion. And um, let's get started. We just heard Chris Wilson talk about how mm-hmm. he had no idea, right? That's what he was basically intimating was that uh, Alec Murdoch for the past 30 years was a big dog. He yes. was making a ton of money. He had a fantastic family life. Everybody loved him. He was larger than life, literally. He was a big guy with a big personality. Um, we've heard this over and over again, but to hear this so intimately from his very best friend that he talks to multiple times a day, texts all the time, plays with every weekend. What are we, what are we making of what he, where he took this story? A couple of observations. I I viewed him as a hybrid witness because he did talk about financial crimes, but he also added to the timeline, didn't he? Because Mm -hmm. he was in communication with the defendant on the night of the murders. That's right. And so he tied the defendant down to certain times that he talked to them, so talked to him, so I think that was important. But the other thing, i get your thoughts on this. In the in-camera testimony, that is the outside of the presence of the jury to see if his testimony would be admissible. He was really emotional then. Recall that? Mm -hmm. And today, we didn't see that as much. Absolutely. And this is something we were just talking about is that sometimes in these, you know, we get privy to the to the in camera of -hmm. what's happening um, and the and the jury. And we kind of can compare Mm -hmm. um, testimonies and see how that how people react. And yeah, he was much more emotional before that jury came in. But it did 
prove uh, and drive home what the state's trying to say is that this was a Alec Murdoch was someone who had a a, a hidden life, yeah. a hidden a agenda, life. Yeah, right? We, a double yeah. life. That's been the theme, right? When you say Drew throughout this the state's presentation, there's the one Alec Murdoch that presents itself to the legal community, to his family, but there's this hidden world of Alec Murdoch that seems to be out there. Right. And I think if you're inclined to interpret the testimony and evidence through the lens of the state and how they're trying to frame mm -hmm. things, if you're buying what the state is selling, I think Chris Wilson then is a very powerful witness for that particular narrative of, did you really know Alec Murdoch? Mm -hmm. Because if his best friend didn't know him and didn't know that all this stuff was going on for, mm -hmm. God, yeah, 20 years, he alleges, with the opioid addiction and the stealing money, if his own best friend didn't, didn't know, and that when his own best friend talked to him when, according to the state and prosecutors and law enforcement, he talked to him twice within an hour of him murdering his wife and son, and nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Nothing at all seemed odd in his cadence or his voice or the way he was presenting himself. Didn't seem upset. Nothing. If his best friend couldn't pick up on it, right. it means it's kind of an op open-ended interpretation there, right? Because it, it, it leads, it leaves its, it leaves the possibilities that either. Chris Wilson doesn't know what's going on, or maybe Chris Wilson's not being truthful, or maybe Alec didn't have anything to do with this, and he, there really was was nothing out of the ordinary, or maybe Alec is the most deceitful and cunning liar of mm -hmm. that we've mm -hmm. ever seen. Right, yes. right. 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 Uh, master just, manipulator. It, mm -hmm. It's very open ended, and yeah. how are, how is the defense going to? How is the jury going to interpret it? Mm -hmm. Are they going to follow the state along on what they're trying to prove? If they're for if I'm the state, I'm putting a lot of stock in what we heard from Chris Wilson today. Right. And I think they have to do that, don't you think? Because the, don't have to prove motive, but to explain how a father could murder his wife and son for, on the outside, no apparent reason, I do think it's important for the state to paint this big picture of his double life. And he's on the, Creighton used the word cusp, cusp of being discovered. And so that's the reason that he wanted to do what he did. That's the motivation to right. forestall being discovered. And there's a little element there. I know it's not for character, right? None of this is to be mm -hmm. for character. But there is this little element, right, of, of this Alec Murdoch being not a nice person, to put it politely. Right. Now, on the flip side of, of that coin... If you're the defense, mm -hmm. all the points they made about Chris Wilson and Alec Murdoch today, I, I, I could honestly see it going both ways. I, mm -hmm. if, I'm, yeah. if I'm Jim Griffin and Dick Harpootlian, I feel really good about what we heard from Chris Wilson mm -hmm. today, too, because he is adamant that this person mm -hmm. was a good person and that he was a good family man, and mm -hmm. they spent countless hours and days and years together. Their children were growing up together. They were vacationing together. Um and he never saw any sign of it, which, again, there, that speaks to the open-endedness of Chris Wilson's testimony and how a jury might interpret it. But I think, what do you think of that, Anne, Charlie? Uh, mm -hmm. Do you think it also, it, on, on the reverse, it plays well for the defense? 
I do. I think it plays very well for the defense, and it, it to the point where this is once again what the jury has to make this leap that um, the motive is that he was trying to distract from these financial uh, crimes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. multiple financial crimes. Granted, they're heinous. If the these alleged crimes were heinous, like they they went against vulnerable clients, uh, people that that uh, never saw this coming. Put it that way, including his best friend who ended up having to float him $192,000, and he's named in these indictments as well now. But, you know, you've got all of this proof that um, that the state's trying to put up that there is this, you know, connection that just by distracting, um, that's why he would, as Dick Harpootlian said over and over again, use the word butcher, which I think he's doing on purpose to mm -hmm. show how no far-fetched mm -hmm. this motive that the state is trying to prove. So in that way, yes, I think the defense is very uh, happy to have this because the jurors have got to be looking at each other saying, wait a minute, I know this guy. This guy is my neighbor. This is mm -hmm. the every American guy. Like mm -hmm. how he goes to football games, he goes to baseball, he goes to every game my kid plays, you know, how could he do this in cold blood and then talk to his best friend probably within 13 minutes is what I was looking at mm -hmm. on my timeline. Mm -hmm. And just to set up with Chris Wilson, just in case people miss the, the testimony today, basically he's sort of one of the linchpins here because his missing fees, he had, uh, Alec had asked him to write mm -hmm. checks um, out to him in his name, making up this far-fetched story about annuities and going into the forge account and all this kind of stuff and and none of that none of that was what was happening um he had just basically uh mm -hmm. cashed these checks according to the state right and mm -hmm. so these were going into murdoch's um own bank account that's what the state told us right mm -hmm. we need a soundboard uh, we need a soundboard button with genie seconder queued up he stole, uh, he stole it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a symmetry that he laid the groundwork for witness uh, attorney Wilson in terms of confronting him at Almeida relative to the stolen money from him. Of course, that was personal because that was his personal money. Yeah. But that's he right had around him all this month, two, almost two hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. And then we have this another act of violence. Right. And we may hear about this tomorrow where cousin Eddie surfaces with his botched suicide. Right at the same day, right, as right. he confronted them. I think the states led us up to a cliffhanger again. Um, yeah. We'll see if it actually comes to fruition, but um, we also had another uh, very powerful witness today mm -hmm. who uh -huh. I think, I'm as sorry. far as the state played it, let's let's listen to, to this young man. His name is Tony Satterfield. He's the son of the late housekeeper for the Murdochs, Gloria Satterfield. Did Alec tell you there had been a recovery of $505,000 already in the case at that time? No. Did he ever tell you there had been a recovery of $505,000 at that time? No. No. Was there a recovery no, he, at that time of $505,000 as you come to find out? Uh, later on. Later on you found out? Yes. And did he ever pay you one dime? No. Did the defendant ever tell you that he also had a $5 million umbrella policy? No. Did he ever tell you that there had been a recovery against that? No. Did he ever tell you that there had been a recovery for $3.8 million against that? No. Did he ever pay you one penny of $3.8 million? No. 
So that money, once again, is, and, and there was a confession of judgment on this case. Mm -hmm. How effective was Tony Satterfield in getting across the point that Alec Murdoch had told him, don't worry about it, I got this, I'm gonna take care of you. Mm. Once again, kind of using that larger than life personality to sort of wash over any problems for this young kid whose mom actually was in a trip and fall accident at his own home, at, at, at Alec's home at Moselle. Um, I, I thought the testimony was so powerful, and to make a legal point here, the defense made another effort. Defense attorney Harputlian, Judge Newman had already ruled that financial crimes come in, but he made another effort to keep this specific witness off that witness stand, arguing that the prejudicial effect of his testimony far outweighed the probative value, <laughs> meaning it, 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 it was just so condemning of the defendant, in effect. And so there was a great back and forth, but I was fascinated from legal perspective, between the prosecution and the defense, and Judge Newman asked some questions. Well, anyhow, he ruled it in. And I do think it's a really sad moment, historically sad moment for the South Carolina legal profession, because you had testimony in public uh, in, in, in this murder trial. We had it in camera, but it's now in front of the jury, where the defendant, a licensed South Carolina attorney to put this in just, uh, uh, to me, I can't think of a lawyer doing anything worse other than killing somebody, right? And so here we are where right. he talks about, this is his housekeeper's son mm -hmm. that cared for the Murdoch family for 20 years. And he came across as someone who, who's 33 years of age, as I understand it, but he came across like, you know, he was Young somebody you, you'd want to watch out for. And I know he has a brother whose special needs he testified. And so here you have the defendant telling him, I'll watch out for you. I'll see if I can get you and your brother $100,000. And he then gins up with another South Carolina licensed attorney, as I understand it, Corey Fleming. And so you have two attorneys, and they get a banker, as I understand it, to be the personal representative who has a fiduciary duty to, to Tony and his, and his uh uh, golly, uh, to the estate of Gloria Satterfield, and they're the two beneficiaries only. So here you have this lawyer who who gets two insurance policies involved, one for 505000 as I recall, mm -hmm. and the other one for uh, at a $5 million, uh, limit, but they got, was it $3.8 million? In, in the end, yep, it was $4.3 uh, for that one, right? Total, that was 4 total. 3 total. Total, total. So to complete the thought here, not only does he not get money to Tony, keeps him in the dark, he conspires with this other licensed South Carolina attorney and with obviously with the with the help of the personal representative at some level, they steals some money from this this person he must have known for years. I, I thought it was just so sad for, for the legal profession. And again, uh, that trust is, yeah, is going to take a long time yeah, to come back, yeah. isn't it? As, and again, uh, we take personal injury cases, and you know, you meet these people, and you want to help them, and here you, I presume that process happened at some level. Instead of helping these people, they steal the money. And so I do think the prejudicial effect of that uh, is potentially there, so much so that Judge Newman, again, this is, I think, highly unusual from a legal perspective. He did that same limiting instruction. Don't consider this for the likelihood of committing murder or for to prove that he's got bad character. Keep it solely for motive. And so Judge Newman, which I think 
was remarkable to me. Isn't the third time he's read this instruction? Mm -hmm. So before this, this testimony came in, he read it again. I think that was uh, good for the record, but it was a powerful moment for me in a, in a really sad way. Absolutely. And I, I think that speaks to the conversation we had just before coming on the air about what is life-changing money. Mm -hmm. And for anybody, I, I've got to feel like, but especially for someone, the sons of a, a domestic worker, mm -hmm. someone who's a, a, a who is a home caretaker and uh, housekeeper, Four point well, they yeah, four point three combined million dollars. That that's beyond that's beyond life changing money. Mm -hmm. And it, I yeah, and I don't see how they for a hundred thousand each. That's that they were just looking for something to sustain themselves. Yeah, that, they and, would have been happy with that. The feeling I had. That's you, what they would have been happy and with. So they got zero from and him and uh, Corey Fleming, and so. That is wow. life changing. Wow. And I think we'd be, be remiss. We don't saw you? the gallery. We saw how they reacted. Oh, yeah, they no. didn't like this. They did not like Tony Satterfield, in my opinion. They did not like the way he was cross examined. And, we'd be and remiss, they took right. it personally. There's a lot of mama bears that were in that gallery that we were watching. Yeah. Um, and they you they did a collective oh when you know, whenever anybody said anything that crossed Tony or what he was saying. Not, which just, was, not just anybody, Dick Harputlian. Right, right. When, when Dick uh, came up there and tried to make the point that, well, didn't you end up getting more money out of this anyway? Uh, and Yeah, and mm -hmm. Tony didn't really understand exactly where he was going mm, with it. He did. You know? He did. Uh, yeah. The, the, um, I mean, Tony didn't understand that. Factually, factually uh, yeah, I think you can make that point. They've collected more in the aggregate from all the people who were sued uh, pursuant to this lawsuit. Banks. Then, yeah, banks and- That's a punitive, that was a punitive judgment. Yeah, uh, they've collected more than right. they would have theoretically gotten from Alec, and Alec still hasn't paid them a dime. Bingo, thank you. Um, that's the big point, is Alec never paid up. Yeah. And that's what, and I should point out too, I'm seated right there, uh, very close to the front there, and over my right shoulder, there's the audience packed in there, I think mostly female, wouldn't you say, today? Yeah, I would say primarily. And I really felt sort of an anger arising from the audience, and you heard it. And so I think Mama Bear's a probably a really good I description. I was actually surprised Newman didn't say something Yeah, like it that. was it was a moment. Well, let's, uh, you've got a question. Max has a question, I think. Hold on one second. Yeah, some people have been asking, is there ever a point when you're a defense attorney going too far? Oh. oh, yeah. Well, let me speak to that because I do practice criminal defense, and you always live in fear of that one question too many. Yeah. And I've got to think that um, uh, he's a friend of mine, Dick Harputlin, is, 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 is maybe thinking that tonight as he looks forward to tomorrow. And you just have to do the best you can and go on with the next witness mm -hmm. and the next thinking on that. But I think that was one question. That was one theme. To, I, I get it. I think he was trying to show that, that hey, he really didn't suffer economically. He's going to be all right money-wise, but it, I don't think it went well, do you? No, and I think it's because this audience has been reading up. Even if the jurors aren't allowed to, mm -hmm. there's a reason why this this trial is is standing room only with mm -hmm. a, with the line out the door every single morning right now. Not a not a spare seat with people waiting for people to get up. So yeah, they are paying attention, but they certainly all have their own bias. Go ahead. Well. Uh, on the, in the vein of questions from the audience, and I will take this back just a step to something we were discussing a minute ago, Charlie. Uh, I think people would like an explanation 
of why, for instance, is it okay for the for the defense mm-hmm. to sort of assail someone's character or to make on the on the opposite for them to talk about how good someone's character is, but it's not for it's not okay for the state to do that. And here, here's what I, I tried to, in answering this That's for the person question. who sent me the question, I tried to frame it. Okay. There's, there's a lot of context here. Um, it's not that the state can't talk mm-hmm. about someone's character. It's that the defense has to talk about it first to make it an issue before the state can do it. And also we get into the whole aspect of 403, mm-hmm. 404, four, yeah. Yeah, 404, 403 and what is motive evidence and what is character evidence. Right. So, Take, take it away. That's a, I, I do think years from now, there's a good chance this trial will be looked at from those that teach evidence on the difficult questions that arise in the course of a heated trial. And that question is really insightful because there's a strain of legal reasoning that, okay, we have these rules, but if you cross the line, it's called opening the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Judge Newman referenced that. That, yeah. that at one point in time, he felt like they opened the door for this type of information. I get the sense what's happened at this point in the trial, since he's letting all this financial information in, that it's very difficult for jurors to not have it count against one's character, that he's letting the um, defense have a little leeway on not opening the door, mm-hmm. but I feel like they're getting close. And mm-hmm. it could be a free-for-all because as this drug evidence seems to be seeping in, and Judge Newman referenced that as well. Aren't we getting into a character issue? Do you want to object to this? And so far, they seem to want to let it in. So if that... They being both the defense, sides? No, defense? I, think, well, I think the prosecution is happy to let it if they want it in. Right. Uh, because I don't think they think it's going to hold up. Uh, but the defense, you know, there's been, there's been mention of it. It's not full bore yet. Right. And so that goes, as Judge Newman pointed out, to, to potentially to character. And so I think we're getting to the point now where these cross-examinations start going on, maybe a question or two too many. That, And what I've noticed about Judge Newman, and I think his law clerk's really helping. Mm-hmm. She seems to be really active. Yes, she that, is. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Yeah. And so I've noticed that he is quick to respond on what the record has been thus mm-hmm. far. That's right. And she's got those. I'm very impressed with that. Mm-hmm. I totally picked up on that, too. Mm-hmm. She had those transcripts ready mm-hmm. for him. Did. To say, did yeah, respond. well, we, over, we were already going through this. Yeah. Good, yeah. For, her. Yeah. good yeah. for her. Yeah. So that's a very good question. And so I think we're, to answer, the, answer it very directly, the rules are supposed to be the same. I think the defense has gotten a little, little bit more leeway than the state, but we'll see if that gets equalized as this goes along. I think the state's comfortable where they are with this financial. I think they are thrilled, actually, that they're allowed to go into every sure. bit of financial information they want. They did get bogged down not to talk about too much here, but they got bogged down a little bit, I think, late this afternoon with, with, with Attorney Tinsley in mm-hmm. terms of Mark getting Tinsley. into the weeds. On, on talking about the boat case, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we were talking about how that was starting mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Um, maybe bog it down a mm-hmm. little bit. The jurors, I mean, you just have so much attention span, right? Is that yes. what you're talking about? Yeah, and I got you got into some technical aspects on the civil suit. You know, I thought the testimony in camera, I mean, that's how the presence that they presented was powerful. This, I bet they tighten it up tomorrow. And I don't know if we want to talk about the Facebook, but he may have been thrown off by that. We don't know. Oh, yeah. So um, basically very late in the day, we got word. Well, we didn't get word. Uh, the defense actually raised an objection to having Mark Tinsley even come and testify today, right? It was about a GoFundMe page. Right. 
Yep. You want to tell about, tell about Drew? It's fascinating how social media is affecting everyone's lives, including this trial. Uh, this is this was just <laughs> it fits uh, it fits the Murdoch trial, doesn't I, it? I, I I don't I don't even it, it's one explosive curveball after the next. Um, yeah, we were not expecting this. Uh, essentially, what what's going on? If you're not aware of this, is sometime yesterday or earlier this week, after Murdoch's mother's form, uh, I guess she might be the uh, caretaker. She, caretaker Shelly Smith, Shelley Smith who, who was her her caregiver for mm-hmm. Alec Murdoch's mama, uh, helping her overnights. After her testimony, and how, we all remember how emotional that was. Her daughter, Shelly Smith's daughter, created a GoFundMe page for her mom, right? And uh, for her bravery, for mm-hmm. and that was and that's what it says. Uh, it, you know, my mom was so brave to get up there, and she's such a wonderful person. You know, she could really use some help in life. Let's have a GoFundMe for her, and the first person. To donate to that. According to the defense. According to the defense. The very first person to donate to that GoFundMe was attorney Mark Tinsley. A thousand bucks? A thousand dollars. And... Defense didn't like that. The defense wanted to say, Judge, you can't allow this person to testify now. He has a financial interest in the outcome of this case, and here he is openly paying money to a a witness in this case who is testifying against the defendant and again the, pointing out the conflict of interest charlie that was seen- great stuff because what, what he then uh, was attorney barber right arguing mm-hmm. this and he did quick legal research on westlaw and said this is a case of first impression which means it's never come up before but he's oh, asking boy. the court to to not allow him to testify. I thought Judge Newman handled that brilliantly. Do been, you? Okay. I, 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 yeah, I was, was surprised he didn't say, yeah, well, that's actually. Oh, no, no. I, I was thinking, no, no, no. Of, okay. and pardon the personal, I had the distinct feeling Judge Newman was looking at me because he thought this was, I wouldn't use the word amusing, but like, wow, here we go again. It was something yeah, there's really strange here. Something. And so he asked the simple question, well, uh, on what grounds? And so then he had to articulate the lack of grounds, really, because he, if you start thinking through it, it's, you know, it's, it's given, it's money given to a witness who's already testified. He's about to testify and he's not, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a charity donation in effect. He still has his free, free speech rights. And so it, it shouldn't preclude him from testifying. So he ended up by saying cross-examination material. So I think we're well, have... and that I thought was a brilliant thing that he mm-hmm. did say. He goes, well, I guess you got something to cross-examine over. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so now, so now it's up to the defense to use that to however they want to use it. But who is going to go? Once again, you got those mama bears sitting in the back of the courtroom, <laughs> and what are you going to say? That he shouldn't have given help to a caretaker who had... It's a dangerous area. It right? could be the oh, one question too many. see, that's one question too many. can be that moment. That's interesting. You know, Drew, go ahead. You're, were you about to say something? No, I, I, was, I was listening to both of you. I, but I, I think one, one thought that's been swirling around, uh, we'll, we'll dance around this a little bit, Charlie. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. The appearances, appearances, uh, you know, some things on the surface might look like something mm-hmm. that uh, they're really pretty innocuous and I, you, but you have to be conscious 
of those uh, appearances sometimes because people will seize on them. Mm-hmm. And certainly the appearance, I think you would uh, you would agree here. It, it, it's it's unprecedented, right? And that, that's and it. You can easily see how the defense would look oh, at this gosh, and well, find an opportunity to make it uh, to make it a big point. I think I think it was a, a wise move to bring it up and the way they did it right before he testified, and mm-hmm. it may have distracted him. Maybe maybe so. Maybe yeah, and so. Would, uh, we'll have you know, to ask him. You know, yeah, he'll probably tell us, right? <laughs> I know, right? But any another, I don't know how to describe this trial. It's, it's, it's. I guess the thrill it's of a, minute, and we're in. A, and I guess the sad part about this, right? We start thinking about this is a gruesome murder right. case, right? And so you need to, I think, keep focusing back on. And so I do think part of the challenge for the state is they're on this financial stuff, and it's really not the murder case, right? And so we're spending lots of time on things not directly related to the killing of two innocent people in cold blood. And so there's a danger in spending too much time. I've sensed the pace picking up a little bit uh, today, but then it bogged down again. So let's see what they do tomorrow. Well, I was going to say, if we want to, we can go to what we think is going to be happening tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love it if Max could play a clip for us before we go. This is sort of to tease what we think is going to happen tomorrow, but we're not in charge of this courtroom, by the way. Um, we are merely no, we're spectators, not. right? We're lucky and, to get um, in. <laughs> yeah, so we are merely observing what's going on, but we do believe from several sources that we've been told that we could be expecting Cousin Eddie tomorrow. If we do, um, Max and I actually went and interviewed him mm-hmm. not long after the botched assisted suicide attempt uh, by Alec Murdoch and allegedly Curtis Edward Smith. And to say this is foreshadowing, I just... Why don't we just play the clip, Max? A hill, and just keep bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and I'm a little flake of snow stuck in the middle of it. Yeah, I say he's like a brother to me. I'd have done anything in the world for him, almost anyway. And that was Cousin Eddie. Um, and that was a long time ago. That was back in October of 2021 when we talked to him. I'm pretty sure that was, that was the time frame. And uh, he was foreshadowing just that there was a lot to come out of this. And, you know, Cousin Eddie has been in jail now in Lexington for quite a while. What we understand is that he could be up here now waiting to, to go on the witness stand. He could be at the Colleton County Jail. And there's a lot of uh, information about him being a long time uh, from the defense's side. They said this, that he was a long time drug dealer for... Alec Murdoch, so there's a drug connection mm-hmm. um, that there was a, we've been hearing in courtroom after courtroom about these checks that were being written to Eddie Smith, so there's a financial connection. And we know a lot of this uh, frenetic financial issues were really gaining speed the spring of 2021, just a few months before the murder. So I, we just wanted to play that for you and have that in your head in case we do actually see um, Eddie Smith tomorrow, which could be a very interesting part to this whole thing. But Drew, tell us, tell us what else is up. Well, uh, at the very end of today, we after the jury had been dismissed for the evening, uh, we got uh, we got what we think is what we hope is an answer to the real question looming over this trial: is when's it going to be over? <laughs> when, when, when are we, get, are we going to be done with this? Uh, when are we going to be on to the next phase and the inevitable appeal? And right. if there is, a, even if there, if there is a verdict, the inevitable appeal that follows, or if there's a mistrial, or if there's a hung jury, when are we going to get to 
the finality of this. Uh, and right at the end of the day, Dick Harputlian raised that issue with the um, he raised that issue with the court and. Creighton Waters got up and said, Your Honor, I think I have about four or five more days. So he hopes to be done. I think that technically that would be about four more days. He hopes to be done midweek, Wednesday. The defense hopes, or the state hopes to call its last witness and, and rest at that point. And then Dick Harputlian said, Well, I have to fly in some expert witnesses out of state, and I expect my case to take about a week after the state concludes. So if we're doing the math there, next Wednesday plus a week, if it stays true, uh, you know. And then here. we deliberate. Then jury deliberation. Mm -hmm. So we've got another pro week and a half to two weeks, uh, maybe a little longer, maybe a little less. A week and a half to two weeks is what we're potentially looking for. And to your point earlier, Charlie, hope the pace picks up a little bit. And uh, Creighton Waters made that point today. He's, he thinks the... Uh, he thinks he's going to start being able to come through it now, but that that gets into cousin Eddie, right? right and maybe. I, I, there, this is all building up to him, and it, the more this goes on, and the well, we've got another weather event tomorrow too, so I expect the storms will be gathering, and we'll have another very dramatic uh, end to the week on Friday. So please join us tomorrow, and we'll let you know exactly what happened in that courtroom. Uh, we'll see you here tomorrow night. Thank you so much. Ann Emerson, Charlie Condon, Drew Tripp, Max Harrison. We'll see you soon. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.